Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. I think it's easier to hit the delete key on a computer than it is to toss a photo in the trash. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 61. In this episode, I'm chatting with Sue Triggs-Ruda, a professional photo organizer, about decluttering digital photos, photo prints, and memorabilia. Before we jump in, I want to invite you to join me tonight for this month's Your Way workshop. You will work in a small group to create an action plan for continuing to reduce and prevent creative clutter. You can learn more and join us at simplescrapper.com workshops. Hey, Sue, how are you? I'm good, Jen. How are you? I am fantastic. We met in person a number of years back now, and I'm just so thrilled to bring you on the podcast to talk all about photo organization and photo decluttering. But before we get into all of that, could you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, yeah, I was we trying to think like um, the last time we met in person, we had that was so so much fun to like actually put like a face to the texting and the online sharing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, my name is Ruda. I'm, um, married to a terrific guy. I have two college freshmen girls. Um, so we are empty nesters. We're like instant empty nesters. Um, so that has been very interesting. Um, I mean, such a huge transition from, having twins for so long and then oh now they're both gone yeah and especially like as anybody knows like senior year especially toward the end of the year there's just there's so many things going on and then the summer is so busy um and then all of a sudden it's like oh wow it's only the two of us for dinner like okay so we just kind of joke that we everybody's like what do you guys do with yourselves we're like we pretty much do the same stuff we did before we had kids so (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that dramatic or exciting, but, um, so that's been interesting and it's been really fun to, you know, watch them kind of start to blossom at their respective schools and, and doing and learning about what they are really interested in. So, yeah, it's such an exciting time for everyone in your family. It is. It's, and it's definitely like, you know, um, as we talk about, it's definitely a new season for us, but I think everyone, we've all embraced it. 
um, kind of wholeheartedly. So do you think your, has your scrapbooking changed or obviously maybe your time is, is a little bit different than it was before, but like, how, yeah. how do you, how are you looking at your scrapbooking differently than you were when they were at home? It's so funny because like you think, I think I have all this time, but then like, you know, it's like a vacuum things fill it. Um, so I, it's funny. I obviously have not taken as many pictures. Um, so that's one big one, you know, there's no soccer games to go to or events or sleepovers to document or any of that kind of stuff. So my photo count has gone way down. And so now I'm finding myself instead of documenting like kind of everyday stuff, like I used to, and I used to do, I did project life from 2011 till 2017, like weekly. Um, so I didn't actually do anything for 2019. I have all the stuff, but I haven't put anything together. Um, so I find myself instead of kind of documenting the blow by blow day by day stuff, I'm more documenting kind of thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. and coming at things from a different angle. Um, I am the keeper of the Triggs and Kilmer family archives. So I've started working on them um, you know, and finding stories around those items. So yeah, it's, it's definitely different. And what I love, like the ability we have, like the more we talk about it and reflect on what we're interested in, excited about, called to, called to work on, it's mm-hmm. just reflective of these different seasons of life and your, yeah. your memory keeping as, as a more holistic term is going to right. shift through every, every period and every phase. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, it's good because I was getting a little feeling a little restrictive with project life and the weekly documenting. And I've, you know, always felt quote unquote behind. And then I was still making layouts. Um, I did, I started 2018 using Heidi Swap's storyline, which I love. And I'm basically doing a story a week. And that's great because it's just kind of like I can pick it up whenever I want. I print out batches of pictures. It's one page. It's a picture. It's a story. Like, I don't feel like I need to document every movie ticket or everything that, you know, happened in the week. Um, So, yeah, it is it is really interesting. What a great perspective and a great transition to the what's exciting you right now question. Yeah. Is there anything like in particular of, of what you're working on that's really like calling your name and just getting keeping you excited? Well, it's funny because I, I wrote down like four things. And one of the things I wrote down was not doing Project Life anymore. <laughs> and I actually gave away most of my Project Life cards. Wow. Yeah. I found somebody... Um, I don't know, it was on one of the Project Life groups. And I was like, I have this. Who would like it? First person, like, gets to have it. And they paid the shipping, and I packed it on a box. And I felt so much lighter after I did that because I hadn't used any of them in so long. That's that's an epic decluttering win there. Yeah. I mean, uh. I still have a few. I use them for notes and, you know, different things. But, um yeah, so that was definitely a big decluttering. And I think that w- one of the things that's really made a difference most recently is <laughs> like the two days after we took the last child to college, um, I completely redid um, what we called the craft room. 
in our house, I have a little, a studio that's very small. That's my work office and my sewing studio. And I had, and I think we talked about this at, um, during one, um, one of your online events. Yeah, like, I, I remember had, this. Remember this? Like I had scrapbooking stuff in my office, in my studio. And then I had scrapbooking stuff like around the corner in the craft room. And it was making me bananas and I therefore was doing nothing. Well, I remember your computer was in the place, was in a different place than when you were, than what you were actually creating. Right, exactly. So yeah, I'm like, it, I'm either going to, totally fix this or I'm just done and I'm gonna like just digi scrap on the computer <laughs> so uh right after they left um I completely pulled apart um the craft room my husband helped me move some furniture and the craft room is like it's like I don't know, six feet wide by eight feet, seven feet long. It's tiny. It's a space in between the two bed, their two bedrooms. But I took an, an X, a four by four expedite unit that my daughter didn't use anymore. And then I put another one by four on top of it. Um, and I, all of my paper crafting stuff now lives there. Nice. All of it. And I reorganized everything. I went through all my, I didn't like go through all my paper on all that kind of stuff. Cause I had done that a while ago, but I like, I went through all my ink pads, you know, to make sure they all still worked. And I figured out a way to store my, organize my stamps so I could just flip through them. And I mean, I think it took me two days. I don't have a lot of stuff, I guess, compared to a lot of people. Um, but that has made such a difference because I can walk in there. Everything's labeled. I know where everything is. Everything has a place. If I want to make a little card or a little tag, I pull out the stuff. I do it. I put it back. I am. You know? I am so thrilled for you. Cause I know oh that how many people are in a similar boat, maybe not two separate rooms, but you know, you just, you're, it's, it's like becoming a blockage to doing anything yes. because you feel so weighed down by it. Yeah, it's totally amazing. And, you know, so you, you, things kind of spread out, you know, in the upstairs of the house because it's, you know, I'm home all, I work from home. So I'm the, really the only one around. And then you kind of forget when the college student comes home and go, hey, what's all this stuff in my room? <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry, <laughs> let me pick that up. I have like sewing patterns, like, you know, all over their bed or something. But that has made like a really big difference for me in, um, productivity oh, I bet. and like wanting to scrap because now I can pop in there. If I've got, you know, an hour to kill, I can go in there and pull out a project and noodle around with it. And I have a big table that I use. My husband actually made me, um, and I use it for cutting out things for sewing, but it's, um, I can leave stuff there or I could leave stuff on my kid's bed. And, um, you know, just leave it there and come back to it. And it's not in anybody's way. And it's, and it's not too much stuff. I feel like I have kind of the right amount of stuff. Well, I think that's kind of an overarching theme when we're talking about decluttering. It's finding that right. regardless of what category of things is finding right. the right amount so that you have options and it's exciting and fun for you, but not so much that it's overwhelming and getting in the way of being productive. Right. Exactly. 
So when this episode comes out, we will have already finished uh, the March Stash Bash event. Uh, But we do have that coming back in September. I'm curious what kind of takeaways maybe you'd had from participating in Stash Bash in the past that influenced like how you were able to make this big transformation happen. Um, I think I actually did go back um, and look at some of the material from previous Stash Bashes because I do have a Creative Hub notebook. Like mm-hmm. I keep it as a physical notebook on my shelf. I'm looking at it right now. And, um, you know, I just went through and kind of looked at different ideas about, you know, what you need, what's important, like how you scrap kind of like begin with the end in mind. And that was kind of when I came to the, I don't really want to do project life anymore. Part of the program. You know what I mean? Like, well, sometimes it's those those bigger picture questions. It's not like, okay, here's a type of supply. Like, do I need to cut this down by half? It's, do I do this type of scrapbooking at all? You know, I have all these, for example, like mixed media supplies. Do I use them? Is that fun for me? So it's it's that bigger picture. Absolutely. Um, So I think that's, you know, a good, a good driver. And, you know, also I have, I want to keep my stash to X amount of space. Yes. That's helpful and, too. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of, I built shelves out of like corrugated cardboard. So, cause you know, those, the expedits or the uh, voids are like, you know, 12 by 12 or 13 by 13. So I'm like building shelves out of foam core and, you know, cardboard so I can have like dividers and, you know, just trying to figure out the best way to use the space. So it's efficient and it's efficient for how I want to work because I like to see things, but I don't necessarily want to um, have everything open and clear containers kind of thing. Um, So a lot of mine are in those, I don't know what they're called, but they're like Ikea, they're drawer or they're white drawer organizers. They're made out of fabric and cardboard and you, they come in different sizes and you can, you know, organize your dresser drawers. I have a bunch of those and they kind of fit nicely on my homemade shelves and I can just slide it out and look inside. Right. Yeah. Um, and see, you know, what I'm looking for. And I have some like open, like plastic baskets and stuff. But the other thing I did in thinking about like how I scrap and um, things that kind of irritate me, like, which was like, you've talked about, you know, in a lot of different ways over the years in like stash fast and other events is like my alphabets were all over the, they were in three different places. It was driving me bananas. So I have, because you have like the big thickers, which never fit anywhere, right? Then you have like 12 by 12 sheets of alphabet stickers that you get in different kits. Those are the right? ones that I feel don't fit anywhere. <laughs> right. Those, so they're kind of like, do you keep them with your, you keep them with the paper and the other items until you use half of them, but you don't want to throw it out. Then what do you do with it? And then you have the little, the small sheets of, sticker alpha stickers right the Mm -hmm. ones that are like six by eight or even smaller so I had them in like three different places because they're three different like sizes and finally I'm like I'm either throwing them all out (laughs) or I need to figure this out 
And I took one these big fabric drawers, again, from Ikea that fit. They're like 12 by 12 cubes and they fit inside the Ikea. And I, I, I now have all of my alphas in that bin. Nice. And I, I made cardboard separators just with, you know, all the extra cardboard that we collect by color. And I took all of the small little sticker sheets and I put them in. I had a whole ton of leftover like cellophane bags that um, the supplies come in. I just took and put all my little things in that one thing and just stuck it in the in with the color of the bigger sheets and the thicker is done. And the great part I discovered was I went to a crop in January. I just picked the whole bin up and put it in my car. Oh, yeah, there you fish, go. Right? Like, I didn't fish through the bin looking for stuff to pull out, to take, which is what I used to do. Like, I would cherry pick, like, from uh, the three different locations. And then you have to go put it all back. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I just, like, picked the whole thing up and put it in the car. And it was great. Well, I love that you found like definitely a huge win in consolidation in many ways in one location. Yeah. That's kind of a a really yeah. like core fundamental, whether we're talking about photos or supplies or anything, is, right. is one that right. one location. But also yeah. just being more DIY with your storage. It doesn't need to be fancy to be functional. Nope. And often you don't nope. need to buy something new um, to make things right. more use- usable for you. Right. And that was, well, and it's funny because my husband does woodworking and I initially said, brought him upstairs and said, you know, I had my little cardboard corrugated mock-up inside the shelf. And I'm like, can you make me something like this? But the wood can only be this thick because, you know, these, he's like, yeah, just draw it out. Tell me what your dimensions and I can, you know, he's got tons of scrap wood out there, you know? And then by the time I got done doing the whole thing with my, you know, hard-sided foam core and all my other, you know, art supplies. I was like, I don't need him to make me anything. (laughs) Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I'm good. And then my, you know, my other, my other criteria in my head when I was doing this whole thing was I don't want to buy more stuff to organize the stuff. Yeah. And I do not definitely don't want to buy any more plastic because I'm trying to be very mindful of that. So you know, and it, you're right. It was just reusing. We can reuse what we have because we all have pretty much enough. Certainly. And, you know, you might even find as you're decluttering other areas of your house that yeah. you come up with new storage solutions that can help you with your scrapbooking. I know, right? Yeah. It's like, this would be great for like thus and such. Yeah. So, so shifting gears briefly from yeah. organization, I'm curious if you have a story that's on your bucket list. We try to talk about this in every episode and encourage scrapbookers to tell some of their more meaningful, deeper stories that sometimes get overlooked because they feel too big to jump into. Yeah. So I had, I thought about this and there's, you know, a lot of, st- even though I've been memory keeping since I was like a little kid, um, there's still so many things I want to talk about. One of the ones I've been thinking about recently is um, as I'm going through kind of the family archives of pictures, um, you know, there's my dad worked for Kodak and back in the days of free film and free developing. um, And my grandfather worked for Kodak. So there's, I have loads of pictures and I have loads of pictures of me as a kid and my sister, who's like almost six years younger, 
And they're like everyday photos, which is to me kind of astounding that in 1967, my dad thought to take a picture of me coloring at my little table in my bedroom. I love that. So I mean, right? you're, so you're, you're, uh, you have a legacy of memory keeping in your family. <laughs> yeah, I was sure. like, pretty much like preordained to like, do the job that I'm doing now. So I was thinking, so what I was thinking would be an interesting exploration was the role of creativity in my life from when I was a little kid. Cause like there's, you know, visual evidence not just my recollection, like all the way through till now. And cause I've always been creative. I have two degrees in design, like, um, you know, and how the path has changed and morphed and taken different, you know, sub paths and what it looks like and what's been constant and what's been different. So that was something I thought would be like an interesting kind of thing I, to explore. I'm, I think, you know, I've told like tiny stories related to that mm-hmm. over the years, but to really like do a big timeline and trace the evolution. I think that is super fascinating. And I'm, I'm now inspired to tackle yeah. that one too. Yeah. Hey, we can, we can make it a group project. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. Let's start another group. We will uh, do that for the next uh, refresh retreat. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. So the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast today is that you are a professional photo organizer. So, um, yeah. Can you tell us what that really is and, and how you got to this place? So, um, so how I got to this place was, um, as I had mentioned, like my, my dad and my granddad work for Kodak, um, in the time of free film and free developing. Um, and I have like tons of film, slides, negatives, uh, Super 8 movies, some other kind of movie that I'm not even sure what it is. Um, I have scrapbooks from my mother's side of the family from the 19-teens, like 1912. Um, So I am the keeper of all the things. So I had started working on my own family archives to sort through things and um, start scanning things to preserve them because media will break down. Photographs have, um, for the most part, have survived quite well, even the ones that are really, really old because they were stored properly. But, you know, slides, slide media and like negatives can go. So they need to be uh, scanned now while um, you can still kind of preserve them. Um, so I had that project going on. I um, and I've always you know, been a scrapbooker, been a memory keeper personally. Um, and when my kids were getting older in high school and my close friend who has a daughter, uh, the same age as my girls. And we had lunch one day and said to each other, what are we going to do with ourselves when our kids go to college? We, we need to figure this out now. I think the girls were like sophomores in college, uh, because we did not want to be left hanging. And, um, at the same time, another friend of mine was looking at franchises because she had taken a packet early package from Fidelity. And she's like, hey, I saw this thing where people scrapbook for money for other people. You should do that because you're really super creative and your scrapbooks are gorgeous. And I'm like, yeah, no one's going to pay me for that. Like, no one's going to pay me like what? 
I'm worth for that. But I kind of started looking into it anyway. And then I was like, oh, photo organizing. Oh, that's interesting. And then I found the website for the Association of Personal Photo Organizers. And I was like, oh, people do this for a living? Like people have this, I've been doing this like half my life. Like this is totally crazy. And it was just like all the stars in the universe aligned and all of my skill sets from all the different jobs I've had and things I've done and everything. I was like, I'm going to start my own business as a photo organizer. So that's what I did. Um, you know, and I worked, um, part, you know, a little bit here and there, you know, as the, um, you know, the girls were in high school and my dad had gotten sick. So it was actually really good that I was doing my own thing because it would have been extremely difficult, as I'm sure people know, to have all that going on and, you know, have a nine to five job kind of thing on top of it. So um, my goal all along with my business was to work on it part time and get certified and you know, do a lot of education and stuff while my kids were in high school. And then when they went to college, kind of just bust out and make and make this like a full time gig. So um, that's what I'm doing. And that's kind of how I got here. I'm curious how as you've like, uh, received education in that world, if there's anything that like stands out as contradictory, additional or different from what we tend to talk about within the scrapbooking world. And I should have maybe shared this question with you ahead of time. It just popped into my head because I'm, I'm super curious. Yeah. Um, well, so it's interesting because um, I, I've been writing a lot on a bunch on different topics. I'm trying to like uh, the whole social media posting thing when you have your own business is like the last thing. <laughs> I really want to do, but it's important to do for your business. So I've been doing a lot of writing and I've been doing a lot of thinking and, um, you know, I wrote a a, a bunch of stuff for our talk today. And, um, it's interesting because a lot of the things on this particular topic, um, that I was writing from a photo organizer perspective, it's really the same if you're a scrapbooker as a hobby, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, obviously the end goals are kind of the same. I mean, really. So we're documenting, you know, we're, we're using scrapbooking as a way to document our lives, document our family's lives and as a creative outlet. Right. That kind of sums up. My so it's most just people. a different photo right. point. And right. we both, and, we all want, I've all, all, all of us collectively want to have photos that right. we can choose to do or do not do things with. Right. So it's just like kind of the end goal um, for the regular, like one of my clients, they're just, they're not maybe as emotionally invested in the production of a final product, like a photo book or, I mean, most people do photo books now. People don't really want albums. Um, I'm actually working on a job now. We took apart her albums and we're scanning things and going to make photo books. So, Oh, wow. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 It's been very interesting. Um, it just keeps finding things. So the job keeps getting bigger. Um, so yeah, I think in that respect, there's really kind of your end goal to be able to access your images 
for whatever you choose to do with them, it's the same for all of us. You know, my, my girlfriend, uh, my, my friend who I was just talking about, who's got her daughter's same age as mine. They just bought a house in Vermont because eventually they're going to move there. And she's taken a lot of pictures and she wants to show me something. We were having breakfast the other day and she's scrolling, scrolling, scrolling through her phone to like find this picture to show me. And I'm like, Sarah, you know, you can make an album on your phone and like put those pictures in your album on your phone. So you don't have to scroll through. She's like, I know. I'm like, do you want me to do it for you here? Give me your phone. She's like, no, no, I'll, yeah. (laughs) So we all want to get to the same end. You know, it's just a matter of how deep we are into it, really. Well, and I think that, I think sometimes organization can be overlooked as a necessity. Like you think, okay, I'm taking photos, I'm going to scrapbook them, but there's this whole part in the middle. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that could be the barrier to your scrapbooking and you don't even realize yes. it. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, so my goal for my clients, so what a professional organizer does is my goal, my, the big picture is my goal for my clients is to help them utilize their photos and their memorabilia. Cause that's part of the conversation as well. Like all, all the things as I like to call them to tell their story, tell their family's story. Um, businesses have photographs that need to be organized. Yes, um, I agree. <laughs> and, and right. Yeah. Um, I actually was helping my contractor. We just finished a big job at my house and um, I was uh, introducing my contractor to different ways where he could organize his photos that he could share them with potential clients. Yeah. He's like, Oh my God, I haven't updated my website in like 12 years. I'm like, you know, I have another solution for you, you know? Um, And organizations, right. Have photos that they need. You know, my church has photos from the turn of the century, you know, like, we people and organizations and businesses all have photos that we need to be able to access. So that's kind of the big picture. And on a practical level, we achieve that by helping our clients. Um, like some people want you to help them. Like the woman I'm working with, like we work together on some parts of it. And now she's just like, now she's handing off stuff to me that she just doesn't want to, she's done. And she just wants me to take the rest of it and finish it. Um, to curate and organize their, what I call their family memory library. Um, and to do this, uh, we physically organize the photos. Um, there's a lot of people, we still have physical photos, uh-huh. um, and memorabilia and slides and albums and negatives and movie reels and DB eight films and stuff. So we organize that physically. And then the whole digital, part of the program um you know you have to collect uh, think of all the places like in in photo crush we talk about this right like go write down all the places where your photos are like oh yeah that could be a lot yeah (laughs) when you start thinking about it it's like oh yeah and then you'll remember stuff that you didn't know you've forgotten for the digital thing it's just like finding all the stuff and getting it physically in one place yes you know so. And I mean, sometimes that's half the battle just so that you can start making decisions. But I think that's a great segue into, yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between decluttering and organization. Right. And are we always doing both of those at the same time? How, how are those related and how are they different? Yeah. 
So I, that's a really a, a good fine point. So photo decluttering is culling your photos and your, mem- and your memorabilia. So basically anything you talk about for, for photos, you can apply to your memorabilia because we all have all the things. Yeah. Um, so, and honestly, I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, it like seems increasingly that we as scrapbookers are saving more and more photos and stuff than we ever have. Right. And I think part of it was the, the, project life slash pocket scrapbooking trend where we finally had a home for all the movie tickets and the show programs. And it was, it was easy to just slip things into pockets. Whereas when we were just pasting things in a photo album or making a layout, it's harder to kind of manage some of that stuff. So I think at least for me, I was saving more of it because then I potentially had a place to put it in like the pocket scrapping world. So what I ended up with was we ended up with not just lots of photos, but lots of stuff that needs to be managed as well. So, you know, we need to be intentional about what we're keeping to work with. Like, you know, there are raw materials, so we should really have the best to work with and not just a lot of mediocre filler. So the decluttering step is crucial to having a really good workflow. Um, you know, you don't want to have to organize crummy photos or meaningless bits of stuff um, because that you're going to waste time that you could be doing spending something else. So so the decluttering is key before you even organize. Right. Well, it's just like if you're doing your kitchen. Yes. Right. Um, so and the decluttering should be something that happens very frequently. Like I actually wrote a blog post called the daily delete. Like you need to be going on your phone and deleting stuff every day, every couple of days. You can do it when you're standing in line at market basket, you know, like to keep on top of it because then, you know, when you go on to the next phase of, of photo organizing, you're not organize. You're not spending time organizing stuff that's subpar, and you're not wading through, you know, the picture that you took of the bag of granola at the grocery store to text to your husband because you couldn't remember what kind he likes. Ask me how I know, but then you forget to delete it off your phone once you send the text. Yeah, no, and that's. Right. I think that's. I would say up to fifty percent of my photos today are that type of photo. Like right. screenshots, random memes, like something that I saved oh, from yeah. somewhere else in order to put it somewhere else or share it with somebody, but it really has no long-term value. Yeah. Redeeming value to society as a whole, right? <laughs> so, so then like, what you know, so I thought, you know, so think about that and like, you know, silly pictures I send to the girls and I have a friend who lives in Houston and we send each other videos back and forth all day um, because we both work from home. So it's just like us and our dogs. Um And those things add up. They really, you know, a little, if you send like half a dozen two minute videos through the course of the day, like that really starts to eat your storage. So it's kind of like, I just have to make a point of going in and deleting them because it's just like having a quick phone call, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff. And then like another thing, you know, as I was thinking of, of 
culling and deleting. One of one of my more recent examples is um, so we just had this. Well, not just, but you know, we had the senior prom back in June, and um, so I had all, almost two hundred pictures of the whole pre-prom thing just on my big camera because I hauled out the DSLR, you know, because how often do you put your kids in ball gowns and they get yeah. all made up? And <laughs> so I had, you know, it's like so much fun. So I had taken 200 pictures just on my big camera. I had also taken more on my phone of them, like, you know, at the house beforehand with their dates. And then the whole class gathers at this community golf clubhouse to take pictures so I had all these pictures of the girls and all of their friends. And um, I was like, when I downloaded the camera, I was like, oh, my God, I cannot possibly have 200 pictures. Like, I really need to go through these. So I managed to get I managed to get it down to about 50. Now, do I want to, you know, keyword and star rate. 200 pictures or do I want to do that to 50 and you know honestly 50 is still a little excessive but it's like super hard when you know they want to take pictures with each different friend group so you know we just let it fly at 50 but um you know you you want to spend your time in the best way possible so get rid of the stuff that's not going to serve you I think that that is one of the categories of photo clutter that can be the hardest to deal with because like, unless it's a really clear, like a shot of the ground or these two Mm -hmm. shots are exactly the same. I delete one of them. It can be hard to make those decisions. Do you have any tips for like what's going on in your mind as you're choosing which of those 200 of the 250 to get rid of? Sorry, 150 of the 200. Yeah. So I kind of, Sometimes I just want to get through it so I can get that, you know, I've allocated 15 minutes to work on this, you know, I just bang through it. And then sometimes it's kind of, you you set up little rules for yourself, like, all right, I only need one picture of all four of the girls, like my two girls and their two friends who they all got ready here. I only need one picture of the four girls and the dog. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I had like 25. I only need one. So it was like, okay, pick the best one and delete the rest. And I work in Lightroom like you do. So it's very easy to delete. You just little flag it and it kind of shades it out. And then you can delete them all at once later. Um, So I make up rules, you know, then you have the pictures. I think what, what a lot of people can get hung up on is the pictures that are not exactly precisely a duplicate. Yeah but you've taken 20 pictures of the four girls and the dog and Oh, they're also cute. Let's keep five. No, you need one. So it's like, you're almost standing over yourself, shaking your finger at yourself, you know, like, no, no, no. You have to be very diligent, especially when you have an event like that, where you have a lot of pictures and, you know, you don't want to end up, you know, I don't want five pictures from that event. I do want like a nice, you know, chunk of pictures because they're going to want them later, you know, because it's all their friends. Um, So making rules for yourself kind of overall for things, we could kind of like set, I think we're going to talk about this later, but um, so you can make a general rules for yourself 
anytime you sit down to like go through your pictures to call your um, photos, like you're going to get obviously anything blurry any out of focus, anything blown out, anything underexposed, um, you know, people are blinking. And then the photos where, as I said, there's 20 photos of the kids with the dog. Pick one. You don't need 20. You need one. Um, Do you think find it's harder to make that decision the closer you are or does it, and does it get easier? Like with more, when more time has passed or is it the opposite? I find, cause I'm working on, on my photo library. Um, I, I started out just having a regular file structure. And then when I went to Mac, I started using iPhoto and then I went to Aperture and now I'm in Lightroom and somewhere along the line, a couple of my libraries got corrupted because I used to, I have mine organized by year. So I'm actually working forward, you know, like from, uh, I'm not really sure. I'm like kind of in like July of last year forward. And I'm also working backwards from like 2005 or six. I think 2005 was when I started to have a problem. Fortunately, I have those all, those are all printed out and in, in, in scrapbooks. So I can check against like what's in the computer. But I have, it's interesting that you say that because I have found it easier now that I'm further from it to delete stuff. Cause I, I don't, I have, I have mixed feelings. Like I can see that in general, but I also find that the larger the batch, the more, I guess, motivation I have to take care of it now. And then the further it gets yes. away, the less I want to like dive back in. Cause like, I don't remember as much context over how this shot was different than the other one and like right. the places and especially if it's like a big trip or something. Mm-hmm. So I can see both sides of it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it can be a challenge, especially the more you have, the more overwhelming right. it can be to make those decisions. And I love your tip of trying to break it down into categories to have little rules of like, okay, yep. how can I put a container around these 20? Yes. And then I have to select one from that 20 because that makes it right. easier than the idea of I have to select 50 from 200. Right. And so my, so my personal, um, strategy is, um, like you, I have my phone photos automatically sync into my Lightroom and then, if I t- shoot photos with either of my other cameras, you know, I load the SD card and then I, uh, I go through, so I try and delete on my phone. I don't think you can delete on your camera. It's really hard because the screen's really tiny. And now that I'm older, I can't see the screen that well. So, um, I go through once all my photos are in Lightroom, I go through and do another round of deleting. I don't, I don't think that you can go you don't keep continuously going through and recalling things over and over because that's then you're just spinning your wheels. But, you know, sometimes going through a second time once you have all of your photos in one place is a little more instructive because you have a little, like you were saying, you have a little more context. So I go through and I delete again. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I like to do one layer of just the right. obvious junk because that can be yeah. pretty fast. Yes. And then I'll do another layer of how can I reduce this to a yes. more manageable quantity. Right. And and again, like you like I play the game. Like I did um Thanksgiving I did Christmas pictures. Well plus well, I did December daily, so um I was culling for that because I was trying to be really strict about one photo per day. 
And then you think, well, if I'm only doing one photo a day for the album, how many more do I need to keep? So there's that. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, as you said, put a container around it and I'm like, um, I'm only gonna keep this many pictures. Cause that's really all I need, you know? Um, so yeah. And even as I'm going through sometimes again, when I'm in there working with pictures or I heavily keyword things and then I use the smart albums feature in Lightroom. So that's really kind of where I'm pulling my pictures from. You know, sometimes as I'm going through an album of pictures, like from a vacation or something, I'll be like, Oh, I don't need to keep these. Like, why did I, you know, how did I miss, how did I still end up with 10 pictures of the same thing? You know, this one is obviously better. I'll just delete all the rest. So it's, it can be like something you do more than once. Well, I think the more you get in a habit of it and it becomes part yeah. of what you do, you, yeah. I guess you crave the satisfaction of doing it to a certain degree. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know that when you go back in and you see a nice tidy photo library, you'll, you'll feel that much better about it and, and probably more excited about scrapbooking. Right. You know, and, and so the, the decluttering part is, is ongoing, like, do it every day. It will make your life easier. And then I was thinking of, you know, in Atomic Habits that we read in the book club, he talks about stacking. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you are someone who sits down with their planner every morning and looks over their day, make that the time you pick up your phone and you go through and you delete stuff. If you sit with your planner on Sundays and do your meal planning and you plan your week, that's kind of what I do. Pick up your phone go through the last week's pictures, like make it part of another habit that you're already doing. Well, I like, I like the idea of connecting that to a non scrapbooking habit, because if you connect this to scrapbooking, you might put it off because then you think, okay, well now I'm going to delete my photos and then I have to select one and then maybe I have to edit it and then I have to continue the process. But if you make this decluttering a discrete task, that's paired yes. with coffee or whatever else right, in your right. life, then it, it becomes less intimidating. Right. So then, you know, so that's like kind of the decluttering piece, but then the organizing. So the organizing piece in my mind, um, it, it does go hand in hand. And yes, to your point, you are doing both kind of all the time, mm-hmm. but whereas, yeah. as the getting rid of stuff should happen on a very regular basis, that um, the organization, I think, can operate in longer span of time in space and more spaced out. So what I mean by that is like you could say um, on the first Monday of every month, I'm going to um, download all my pictures from the prior month and very quickly keyword them or sort them into folders or however it is that you organize your stuff. And because you have been deleting things all the month before, it should not be quite such an onerous job because you're only organizing the things you really want to keep. Yeah. So, you know, whether that's once a week, you sit down and organize your photos once a month, tie it to another, again, tie it to your organizing, tie it to, I have, money Monday where I sit down and do like all the bill, I pay the bills and I do, you know, the banking and this, that, and the other thing. 
I, I don't do it the rest of the week, but on Mondays I sit down and do that. So like maybe then that's my day where I then transition to, I'm going to spend 15 minutes or 20 minutes working on my photo library. Well, I think this skill is one that really applies to so many things in life. Oftentimes we have the clutter layer that's blocking the things we need to organize. And that's why we never get a chance to go deeper. It's because we're just moving around the clutter, adding to it, removing it. And it, when right. it becomes more of a habit and a regular routine, that's when we actually feel like, oh, I, I, it's now it's time to like go through that drawer and reorganize and choose things to then further declutter. But it's that surface clutter that is just always right. there. Right. So, and it's the surface clutter of all the screenshots on your phone yeah. and the memes and everything that's keeping you from getting to the really good stuff. And if you if you can develop a habit and and which you know has been some has been one of our the themes you know in simple scrapbooker is um habit development and and all that kind of thing if you can develop a habit and you can be consistent um which we all know is really difficult um once you start to see results then it's easier to keep going so once you go to look for a picture and you can find it on your hard drive or in your album or wherever you know however you organize your stuff because you have gone through all the steps and gotten rid of the drag and organized things in a manner that makes sense to you to you not to add other people but however you work then that's more incentive like oh this does work i'm just going to keep going well and i think there's it, even like a subconscious yeah. component to that too yeah yeah so um yeah So we've talked a lot about the digital perspective of decluttering. And I almost feel like there's an elephant in the room with this idea of there's photo prints out there. And should we be recycling or throwing away some of these photo prints? Yes, we should. And Um, how does that look different in terms of process? And of course, like emotional attachment. And I think it's easier to hit the delete key on a computer than it is to toss a photo in the trash. Um, Now, it's funny because you mentioned that yesterday morning, I, as I said, I have like the family archives, but they they were in multiple giant boxes behind my couch. And um, I kept I would open the box, kind of look through it and close the box again and then not remember what was in the box. So, I mean, I've got like a whole Ikea two by four unit stuffed with boxes of things. Um, and then I had to write myself a note that that's not everything. Go look in this closet is where the rest of it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah. And that's just my dad's side. That's not my mom's side. Um, so what I did was I, I just very quickly, and this is like a good tip for people. I very quickly pulled out the box kind of did a super fast inventory on a post-it note. And it was like, um, you know, dad, Marine Corps photos, uh, miscellaneous, super eight movies, Dallas, 1970. Slap the post-it on the box, put the box back in the shelf. So at least I know what kind of media is in the box. Cause I have a whole box full of super eights. Like that is going to be the last thing I tackle. What kind of media is in the box? Who it belongs to, is it my dad, is it my grandfather, is it my grandmother, is it I have stuff that's like several generations back, is it the trig side, is it the shroud side, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
who it is, what it is, and maybe in a general time period. So if it's the 60s and the 70s, that's that's my childhood. You know, if it's the 50s, that's my dad. Um, so that actually can help um, with the organizing. And then you just take a box at a time. And I've got boxes filled with photos that I'm just going to have to get rid of. I'm sorry. I'm kind of just totally rambled and lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> so, um, yes, you do have to throw them out. Um, and again, it's like gathering all your digital things in the same place. You should gather all your, your physical photos in the same place. Well, I think there's this issue that like, okay, you know, we were taking such smaller quantities of photos. It almost gives a, a, a greater weight to each individual photo, right. even the ones that are totally out of focus and horrible. So I think right. it's it's an interesting conundrum. But I also think there's the, this question of if I have photo prints, is it my goal to digitize all of them or is right. this photo print still the original? And how do you make that decision? I think it kind of depends on what it is. Now, something to remember is, um, you know, Part of it is how you how are you storing your your photographs? Like they need to be stored in the same part of the house where you live, not in the attic, not in the basement. Um, you know, hopefully in a closet or a cupboard or something. That is the best way to store them in archival, non-acidic um, boxes. Um, that's the kind of the gold standard. So. Part of it is the reason that we scan things and digitize them is eventually something's going to break down. The photo will fade um, or it will be physically damaged somehow. Um, and at least at the very least, when you scan it, you have a copy. Right. And the ideal thing to do is if you have the negative is to scan the negative because you will have a much better, that's the, actually the original source material is the negative, not the print. Um, but it's, mu it's much more difficult for the average person to scan a negative than it is to anybody can put their photo on a flatbed scanner and scan it to preserve it. So I think you have to, again, begin with the end in mind. What are you trying to achieve? What do you have? And, and what do you want your end result to be? So let's just say like hypothetically, which half of this is like semi-hypothetical. <laughs> like there's a giant box downstairs that has right. um, negatives. Yeah. Probably for most of them. We're not sure. But let's just say, they, let's just say there's negatives for all the photos. Mm -hmm. There's two copies of every photo because, you know, that's what the photo processors right. did. The duplicates yep. were free. Yeah. And then, and none of them have been scanned. Mm-hmm. What you know, if I was your client, what would the recommendation be? Do we scan all of them and keep dust the digitals? Do we scan them and keep the negatives? Do we scan and keep the prints? Like how like how do you make that decision? So if you were my client, uh we would what we would do is we would we would lay everything out and we would look through everything yeah. first. We would talk about what your goal is is your end goal is going to be. Um the client that I have, my big client that I'm working with now, her goal is to reduce her physical photographs mm -hmm. by like 90%. So once we scan everything, 
she is ditching 90% of her physical photos once they're, once they've been digitized. Mm -hmm. She lives, she, you know, she sold her two homes. She lives in a condo. She doesn't have a ton of space to devote to storage. Um, so she's, you know, after we scan everything, she is going to go through and only keep certain physical photos and the rest and everything will be in a photo book and, and on a hard drive and backed up to Backblaze and backed up to, um, Apple's automatic backup time machine. So, um, so her, that's what her goal is, right? So we're scan. So we've gone through, we've called the pictures down. She's gotten rid of at least a third of her general pictures mm -hmm. and we're organizing them in categories as opposed to chronologically, which, which is really, it'll be really great. And it's going to be make making the books much more interesting because it's kind of like Stacey Julian's, um, you know, library of memories where you're not focused on chronology, chronology, you're focused on relationships mm -hmm. between your photos. So that's kind of what's happening as we're, going through the photos and seeing how the different relationships, because they're not chronological. So there is that kind of lovely little magic. So you have to decide, kind of think about what you, what your end result is going to be long story longer. Um, then I would say do a first pass through, get rid of all your duplicates. Right. And some places I think used to do like, you could get triple photographs yeah. for like a penny more, you know, um, get rid of your duplicates. Get rid of anything that's, you know, blurry, out of focus, like all the things that we've talked about. Get your physical, the physical pictures down to what you really want to keep. And once you start going, once you actually start the process, once you get into it and get going, it becomes quite clear what you're keeping and what you're getting rid of, right? Um, then it kind of depends with the negatives, um, if your negatives are housed with your pictures, you know, if they're both in the same envelope and you know that those are the negatives that go with the prints, um, negative scanning will give you a better scan than scanning the picture. Well, I think that's a really valuable tip, even though, it, yeah. especially if you do have a lot of negatives, just, mm -hmm. just to know that and that it's worth the extra effort. It's worth the extra effort because um, you'll get a better product. Yeah. Um, you know, if your negatives, I opened a box yesterday and it was full of just loose negatives. I have no <laughs> idea what they are. I'm like, okay, I don't know what these are. I don't know where the pictures are. We're just going to put a label on it and close the box back up. You know, in that case, I might just work with the, work with the, and scan the pictures. Right. Um, you can go crazy. Some people want to go crazy. Some people want to keep it simple. Scan the image, scan your pictures. And then at least that way, if something happens to the photograph, you have a copy. It's only taking up room on a hard drive. And because we all back up our hard drives, right? It will be backed up. Then if anything happens to the physical photo, you're covered. You have a digital copy. If the physical photo starts to degrade, degrades any further, um, you have a digital, you've basically stopped the degradation yeah. when you scan the photo. Um, and then, you know, the beauty of having it digitized is 
You can make an online album. You can print more prints. You can make a photo book. You can digi-scrap it. You can make calendars for grandma. Like, you know, it's much more flexible to have a digital image these days than to have a physical print. And as far as, right. So then as far as storing your prints, um, you know, you can either slip them into like a photo binder if you, you know, it's easier to put them on the shelf or generally what we do is we have, um, we have access to like museum quality archival storage, which sounds super expensive, but it's really not because one box can hold 1200 pictures. Correct. Yeah. No, I have one, I have one photo box for like 15 years of my life because I can hold that many photos. Yeah. Right. Because you're not, you're not putting them in the envelopes. You're just, um, you're just housing the photographs and divider cards and that's it. So that's generally kind of how professional, how the professionals do it. Um, well, and I was like, just in listening and kind of thinking about what, how I would tackle this, is that, you know, I'm even when I was teaching the before your story class, I recommended mm-hmm. okay, we're scanning a s- small subset here. This isn't a scanning project, this is a scrapbooking mm-hmm. project. But really right. s- scan the photo, print it out again to put in your project because right. you can then choose what you want to do with those prints otherwise. But as you said, you stop the degradation of that photo and you have the right. digital copy should that that new one somehow degrade, mm-hmm. but it's it's protected. And to me, that's right. the, that's the whole that's the to okay. me that's the end goal is to protect these photos. I'm, these things probably are not going to ever be scrapbooked. Um, they might, right. they might, we might choose to do a photo book or something. But I want them safe, mm-hmm. and safe today is digital more so than it is any other format. Right, and you know the other thing is, um, I have um, I scanned some negatives from World War II for a friend of mine. Um, so she didn't, they had not seen the pictures. So she just had these negatives and she's like, can you do, can you do? And they were like a larger format. They weren't like a 35 millimeter. I'm like, oh yeah, I can scan that for you. So, you know, we scan them and she has black and white pictures of her dad when he was in Europe in world war two. Wow. That's amazing. That he, and I was, and they needed to be edited and, corrected and restored digitally so you can restore things once something is in a digital format you can restore that image to make it better than what you've actually scanned so i have a question on that front in terms of do you recommend like scanning as is and then making a copy to make those corrections yes Um, because oftentimes like scanning software can do things for you, like dust removal and things like that. Like how much do you recommend doing in the process of scanning versus later? It kind of depends because some are better than others. It you have to, you have to play around with your scanner and your software Yeah, and you got it taken. I took like a whole afternoon and just scan slides at all different resolutions and then printed out four by six pictures to see what they look like. You know what I mean? So you do, you have to take the time to play around with it and get to know your software and your machinery. Um, some scanners, software for um, 
you know, digital ice, which is like removing like what your dust and scratches and stuff is really good. And sometimes it's really good on some pictures and not that great on another picture. Yeah. I mean, generally, if I'm going to use the software that comes with the scanner, that's generally the only software I'll use. And I will do any other correcting or editing or fooling around with the image in Lightroom and or Photoshop. This is something that I was thinking about the other day in terms of like, I printed out a photo that had been scanned and it was an older photo. So I didn't even think of editing it, color correcting it. This is what the photo looked like. So like, do I want, cause it's not like I took the photo from my camera and you know, I intentionally right. underexposed it so I could edit it later. Like this is an old photo and this is how the print came out. So, well, it's, it's, it's an old, so, uh, you know, I'm, I have a picture in my mind of a picture of my grandmother and my grandfather who I never knew, um, in front of their house in Croton Harmon in like 1949. No, it was in the fifties. Right. And the photo is washed out. Um, and I mean, it's not blurry, but it's not the greatest picture. Yeah. But it probably was not washed out when they took the picture and had it printed in 1950. Sure. Right. Yeah. So you have to think about you, you're kind of restoring it to what it, it was, was when it was taken. And then you can make it a little better, but always do it on a copy. Yeah. Always keep a copy of the original unedited. Well, I think that's that's why we use Lightroom yeah. too. So yeah, well, yes, I was going to say Lightroom is great because it's non-destructive editing, um, and you can go back and forth in your history. If you did some stuff you didn't like it, you can kind of back it out. But um, yeah, you should always, always um, make a copy and and work on the copy. So there's one kind of tangent here that something you mentioned a couple times that really got my wheels turning because you mentioned uh, working with your clients to create photo books. And mm -hmm. I'm curious how a photo book for a non-scrapbooker would be approached versus how we can approach a photo book, which is therefore like requires words and, you know, has right. like, it, it, there's a different maybe standard or level of expectation around it. So yeah. how do you approach these with your so non-scrapbookers? It's really interesting you bring that up because, um, so, you know, when, when we make a photo book as scrapbookers, um, there's a lot of fake photos, but we also generally, there's a lot of text. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of writing. And when you make a book for a client and it depends on the client and it depends on the project. Um, generally it is not quite as text heavy. And I guess whether does your like, does your scrapbooking background actually help like make you encourage them to include text? <laughs> yes, it does. As I, you know, um, I will be encouraging when we get to that part of the program, we're, we're not there yet, but, um, you know, when we get to that part of the program, I'm going to encourage her to talk about the pictures. Um, the, the one project I am going to start working on her for her is, um, I had taken apart an album for her, uh, cause it's one of those sticky. If you have the sticky albums, 
the magnetic quote unquote albums, mm-hmm. get your pictures out of them now because yeah. they are the worst thing. So, and that is mostly what, um, mostly where she had her pictures, but I took apart this one album and the whole album was one trip to the Grand Canyon and the Southwest, the desert Southwest. And she had, um, typed up, uh, descriptions and a little commentary editorial on each spread. So when I took the book apart, I, um, either wrote out, if I couldn't pull up the, it was just on a piece of paper. I wrote it out on an index card and put it in, in the bag with the pictures for that page. So when we recreate, when I recreate the, the photo book for her, I will have all of that, um, verbiage to include with the al- with the photographs on the page. And not everybody has that. And the other thing that I think I'm going to ask her is, and, and she's a, she's a creative, she's been in fashion and marketing, like that was her career. So she, so she gets it, um, is to try and get her to like write kind of an editorial or, um, even I page about what that trip was about and yeah. why they went and, you know, cause her husband who she went on the trip with has passed cause the trip was from like the seventies. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see if I can get her to write something that then I can include in the book, either in the beginning or as like an epilogue kind of, kind of thing. So it is, it is different because generally as scrapbookers, when we're doing our own photo books, it's our voice. And when I'm doing something for a client, it's not my voice. Correct. And you're trying to bring their voice in where I'm trying to bring their voice in where I can. So, but but um, I love how you have that story perspective to bring to the table. Yes. Um, in this, in this job, I think that's really important. And I I would assume that not, not every professional photo organizer is coming at it from, from that way. Right. Everybody, it's interesting. Everybody comes at this job from a completely different direction. So, um, you know, I'm kind of a more design creative and then story based because I'm a memory keeper for myself and my family. So I'm coming at it differently than the people who there's a lot of people who have like really technical backgrounds who are coming at it from a completely different direction. So... So kind of wrapping things up here, how do you think scrapbookers can set themselves up for avoiding clutter going forward? We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious kind of what your takeaways are. Begin with the end in mind. Like we had, we said a couple of times, what's your goal for your photos? What's your goal for the pro? Are you dealing with photos for specific projects or is it just your general photo library? Right. Um, are you digi scrapping? Are you making a photo book or a project life book, either, you know, a digital book or a project life, like regular 12 by 12? Are you doing scrapbook pages? How do you want to be able to organize and access your images for whatever projects that you're working on or just in general? Okay. So that thinking is going to then inform how you're going to go about decluttering and organizing your images because you want your photo library to serve you in the way you think and the way you work and the way that you are going to tell your story. Not Jane down the street, not you, not me, 
but you know, your own, how you work. Um, so that's kind of really number one. You just need to personalize it and not worry about, not worry about what other people are doing. Um, you know, another thing to think about is what kind of a scrapper are you? Do you print on demand at home? Right. Or do you, um, upload your pictures once a month or right before a crop or whatever somewhere and then, you know, have them batch printed and then you go and, um, just like have them mailed to you or whatever. So are you just kind of basically working at four by six or are you working at different sizes? Like how are you going to actually access your images? Um, are you a digi scrapper? How do you, how do you work? What's your workflow for that with your images versus your supplies? Um, so beginning with the end in mind and when, what's your goal? And then, um, the daily delete and then a weekly, monthly photo maintenance time. Um, that's as like you were saying, like set that aside separately from your time to enjoy your hobby, right? This, the, all the stuff that we've been talking about, it's all maintenance stuff. You can take what we've been talking about and apply it to like your office paperwork or your kids artwork or how many spoons you have in your drawer. It's, it's all kind of, it's all maintenance. So once you get this piece sorted out and running, that's going to enable you to spend more of your time doing your hobby yes, and exactly. less time irritated because you can't find the photo of great aunt Hester that you need for her 80th birthday. Right? So our hobbies are supposed to be fun and they're supposed to be enjoyable and they're supposed to be stress relieving, not stress creating. So if we can like manage our photos and take care of that part of the process, that will make make us have more time to actually do the things that we really want to be doing, which is making pages. I, I equate it to it's the doing laundry of scrapbooking. Like we have to do our laundry <laughs> yeah. because yeah. we want to like look nice and smell nice and, you know, and yes enjoy the world but we have right. to we, it's one of the things we just have to do and the more you can create routines and make it easier on yourself then yes. the more likely you'll be able to go in your closet and have something to put on and not be frustrated right. as you just described exactly and you know as you're saying as you're talking i'm thinking are you a just throw your clean laundry in the basket in a rumpled mess or are you a fold it tidily as each piece comes out of the dryer what I really liked it and all of what you said, you really connected to the find your way month theme that we had in February, but how important it is to really understand your process and your preferences as a scrapbooker, because that underpins how you will declutter and organize and how you need to, in order to support that hobby. Right. Right. And the other thing, so here's something else to remember that I, I want to point out. So if, so you decide on a process, you think there's whole three things, you decide on a process, right? Whatever that is. And then you work, you work your process for a little while, month or two, and you realize it's not working. Like, ugh, I don't want to go do this. I don't want to go look at my computer. I don't want to do that. Okay. So that means your process isn't really working. So you know what? Go back, refine your process, totally throw it out and change it up completely. You know, sometimes it take it takes a while sometimes to figure out how it's best going to work. It's not like 
necessarily that you're going to have it all figured out on the first try. Well, there's not, there's, there's very rarely only one way to do something. Like you'll notice throughout this whole discussion, we didn't prescribe. This is how you do any of this because it's all based on what you need, what you want and what's going to get you that result. Right. Right. Well, this has been so fascinating, Sue. Do you have any other final things to share? Yeah, I just, I was really excited to come in and, and talk about this. Um, you know, it's, it's like, as you say, it's like the doing laundry of the scrapbook world. And, um, it's, it's important to define our processes and be able to make things easier so we can scrapbook our way and do the things we like to do as easily as possible. I love it. Thank you so much. We'll include all your links in the show notes for this episode. And thank you everyone for listening. I want you to go away and remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. 